It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Wow, that was incredible. What was that? <laughs> yep, yep. Okay, cool. Stop. Hello and welcome to True Penny Show. Today we are looking at the thousand episode at Wrestling TNA, if you will, the Schlotten Global Wrestling Federation. Global Wrestling Federation Impact Wrestling for the past three weeks. Um, we're looking at their thousandth episode. We're going to celebrate a bit of Impact and TNA. And if you go back to the early days of the Troopany show, Impact Wrestling was one of the companies we did cover because it was a viable alternative to WWE. This show has always been about the viable and sometimes the not so viable, sometimes the harebrained. And I like WWE, you could say Impact Wrestling's been all three. Um, but we did look back at it, and my partner for those shows, because it was only me and him who watched it, was Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Uh, feels almost weird to be here talking uh, something other than Glee, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a full circle thing. Like you said, we kind of started out talking about impact and what wouldn't you know it, gave it some uh, time, space, a little, you know, uh, opportunity and breathing room if you will to kind of grow and expand and uh it's done a lot it's done a lot so uh you know i think it was apropos that we you know uh chose a thousand episode you know representing the past the present and looking at the future for us to kind of come back and assess where things are i i for one i must admit i gave up on the company around about four or five years ago when they hired michael elgin and it was just like, oh god no and they made a series of decisions which were just truly awful. And that's not to say that their roster is squeaky clean. There are people I'm not keen on on that particular roster. Having said that, there are some incredible things that that roster has done, specifically the women, and specifically the tag team division, and the X division as well, that have that have genuinely changed wrestling. You know, um, And we're going to discuss that a little bit. We're going to go segment by segment, which is unusual for us because we normally do pay-per-views and big shows only. We don't very rarely look at a TV show for the sake of a TV show because we like wrestling. We're not necessarily promo people. So Impact, which tends to be 50-50 in promos and wrestling, is not always a pleasant watch for me, <laughs> I must admit. Um, but let's start at the beginning. The start at the beginning of the show was the Knockouts division. We had an interesting look back at the history of Impact Wrestling. Um, going back to the ton, total non-stop action days, um, some of the big names like Chris Sabian, AJ Styles, uh, Dixie Carter, Noah Joe, Tracy Brooks, um, all of the big names from the early ones, Bobby Bruder in the opening promos, Chris Daniels, and you know where they are these days. And um, it was an interesting step down memory lane to see those big names, of course, Jeff Jarrett was there, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion at the time, Team 3D, who would actually be on this show and team again for the first time in a long time. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so this was intriguing to me um, as an intro. It was a nice way to kind of show off the start of the show. Uh, they went back to some TNA's biggest moments, Kurt Angle and Samoa Joe, which arguably was TNA's biggest moment and certainly best produced angle. Um, and some of the less great moments with Mr. Hogan and the main event mafia and various other bits and pieces. 
What was your thoughts on the opening segment? Did they cover everything you were thinking of? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's I, I think they covered as much as you you know you know you could in a in a, a segment and span that they had. I mean, I, I think um, it was interesting that they they used some different music, different graphics. I appreciated that. Obviously, they usually go with we on tonight. Um, and just flashing back, it was crazy because they have a they've done a good job at uploading a lot of great stuff to their their YouTube channel, taking you back. They also always do a great. Uh, opportunistic troll job on Twitter when things come up with their former uh, employees and other companies are putting up their stuff when stuff is going on. Um, so it was cool to see, you know, like you said, going back down that, that, that memory lane, all the goods, bads, ups and downs, you know, just really cool moments seeing beer money with the OG tag titles and, um, you know, the, the main event mafia when it was, uh, when it was rocking and, and you know guys like AJ Styles and saving just a lot of great stuff particularly with the uh, the knockouts so yeah it was a, it was a great video package trip down memory lane and while we don't have the legendary voice that we once had going through all the pay-per-views RIP to him we do have another great uh person voice and the stuff that makes stuff feel um very uh significant if you will so it, it was a, it was a really cool highlight package yes yes of course, we must remember at this point, Mr. Mike Tanay and Mr. Don West. Don West is obviously no longer with us, but Mike Tanay and Don West will be uh, become part of the TNA Hall of Fame this year. Um, and there'll be other surprises later on in the show. The show opens with Scott Moore, the first person who was on the first show of TNA Impact Wrestling as the leader of Team Canada. And you can look at the history of Team Canada and see what they did. Um, as far as like the changing the business is concerned, Bobby Roode and, and Pete Williams especially uh, were just outstanding workers. Um, and Scott Demore has been an on and off relationship with Impact Wrestling. He was one of the creative guys to start with in the company. He's had a long track record in the company from and kind of came in from his WCW days where he was kind of in charge of booking. Um, uh, enhancement talent and then slowly developed into being a booker and now is the man in charge of Impact Wrestling. Um, and he introduces Gail Kim um, and then we have a long, <laughs> long, long promo. Yeah. Long, well, very long. long. It was long. Mainly it was long. <laughs> um, it, it did remind me of WWE in 2000 when Triple H would get a market get a microphone and be there for oh, a good half hour. Um, but it was at least more than one person. It opened with Gail Kim and then the beautiful people made their return to Impact Wrestling and then a slew of other people, past and present, came and joined them um, to celebrate the knockouts in a kind of head-to-head promo style. Um, it, was, it, was, it was special and it was nice to see them all and they all got something to do and show off and they're building to next week a 10-woman tag team match um, with the originals versus the new blood of Impact Wrestling. So we'll see how that goes. That could be very interesting. But it's not all originals versus... It, it's some it's heels versus baby faces. let's be honest. <laughs> Historic heels and baby faces are going against each other. Um, and that should be an interesting watch. And it was interesting to see... You now we had Mickey James, we had Gail Kim... Um, 
Jordan Grace has obviously recently returned to the company. Diana Parasso is involved in this. Uh, obviously, Trinity, the current Knockouts champion. So it was then, and of course, we had the return of uh, Awesome Kong, who retired last year or the year before last, uh, the um, NWA uh, All Women Show Empowered. Um, so, yes, this was a really good segment that really did highlight everything the women have done and started in North American wrestling, taking women seriously. I was never a big fan of the Knockouts name. I've considered, you know, I've, I've talked about it before where I felt that it, it could be used in a derogatory manner, especially when you start the, the original intent of TNA, which was a TNA sounds like tits and ass. And that's the reason why they did it, because they were hoping that people would drunk uh, paper were drunk when they came home from the bar on a Friday night would accidentally buy their paper shoes because <laughs> they thought it was something it wasn't. And you know, when you have that and then you use a name like knockouts instead of women's wrestling, it kind of changes the thing. So I was never a big fan of that. But you know, and now I'm less of an, I have less of an issue with it because they did own it and they did take the name and make it into a positive by celebrating great women's wrestling and celebrating great women's wrestlers. So what's your thoughts on this segment, Marcus? Yeah, like you said, man, it was long, it was plotting, but it was it was great uh, because it, it really, if, if nothing else, because, you know, it's come out, oh, this person comes out, boom, 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 and next, and boom, 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 and next. Um, it was just really great to see. I mean, if nothing else, once you got that, that shot of, like you said, heels versus faces, it really was a great visual representation of the evolution of that division. And, and, you know, in all its forms, you know, they came out there talking about, you know, generations and stuff. And you really got, I, I thought, a great officer kicking it off with the legendary uh, Gail Kim, who, you know, going back to, you know, you briefly referencing them. And I was talking about this with somebody else. Uh, you know, when you talked about Mike Tanay and Don West got arrested. So they, we're going to obviously get to, you know, uh, another name that, that's going to come up with that. This company has yet to miss with that Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. They've yet to bring up one name that's like, I don't get why they're picking that person. No, everybody that they're bringing up is is very much not only significant to that company but the industry uh, in general. But, but you know, I digress. Back to this segment, it was just once you saw that that row of heels and that row of faces, it, it truly was just a great visual representation of everything that the division has been. Uh, is and, and and what it can be uh just particularly looking at you know the lovely trinity who, who has been a fantastic get for them and she's absolutely been killing it um and, and it's really cool to see because it really just feels like she's been revitalized and really is enjoying herself in every possible facet and uh yeah to your point because i was thinking about it um when i was watching the same one like james has never really been a huge fan of the uh the ko name but i really to your point again they really have owned it in every possible way. Knockouts in, in terms of aesthetics, knockouts in terms of, of you know, uh, what they do in that ring and just overall present, you know, presentation in general and just that consistency and the importance that they are and will continue to be for that, that company is just, it's, uh, it's really great. And just how eclectic and, and, and you know, uh, diverse you know, that, that, that group of women is, is just, it's, it's incredible. And, and, and Tasha Steele's was a great uh, surprise return. So, yeah. 
you have to say yeah. I, I will point out that you know you have a major um, trans fan star in Giselle Shaw who is so adaptable as well because when she was wrestling in the UK had a thick British upper class accent and now has a wonderfully thick California accent <laughs> um, you know you have representations of Native Americans, uh, African Americans, uh, Dominicans. It's, it is incredibly diverse. And it, it's, it's really a roster that represents everybody, you know, in, in ways that all the companies just don't. I mean, we've talked very much about how diverse Ring of Honor is. Um, and kind of like Ring of Honor, it's kind of like out of necessity in one sense. Whereas this is, and obviously this has not been picked, this has not been picked, a lot of things happen in wrestling, not for representation's sake, but because of who's available. And what the people have stuck have been incredibly diverse in, in Impact Wrestling. Um, but yes, let us move on. In, and we next have a segment involving um, James Storm and, you are pardon me. Santino Morella, who's the, uh, unfortunately, the director um, of authority. Eric Young, um, Chris Harris, America's Most Wanted, and Shark Boy, who, of course, had to drop the bottle of beer because he's Shark Boy. Oh, shell, yeah, as he would say. And Santino promoted him to deputy uh, director of authority for these next two episodes. So we got to book things, and that was intriguing. Um, I liked that idea. I'm not keen on something anymore. But um, yeah, it was nice to see these guys back. And you know, um, it's <coughs> it's uh, intriguing talk, I think. Um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll point out James Storm inadvertently made an appearance on um, Netflix shows Re The Wrestlers this week when Al Snow was discussing his lack of drawing ability and large fee, which you know perhaps wasn't something you should do on an internationally syndicated television program, bury one of your potential employees. Anywho, moving on, what was your thoughts on that little segment there? Oh, wow. Yeah, I planned on watching that, by the way. Oh, uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But yeah, this, this segment, like you said, it was, if, if nothing else, it was, a, you know, great. Because um, along with the fantastic wrestling that the company has been consistent for, uh, more, more so than uh, not over the years, um, you know, like I said, it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, and the good, the bad, the, the the jokey and corny and all that. You gotta take all that in. So it was, uh, it's always great to see uh, AMW back, Dave. You know, um, you know, pretty pretty consistent. We're, we're coming back and doing a lot of stuff with the company uh, more times than not. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more uh, lenient on Santino being an authority figure just because I do find them entertaining, and you know, they do need somebody there that can. Uh, kind of be a buffer in between because Scott can't come out there and do everything. Um, so that's, that's fine. And Shark Boy is a, is a great callback to a very uh, corny um, era of the company. But Shark Boy has always been, you know, high form entertainment for me specifically in those those prime days when it was guys like him and uh, the likes of Curry Man and the like. It, it, the company has definitely had a variety of acts uh, for sure. So, it, like you said, it was a great little trip down memory lane, little segment, and going into, I guess, what would be the second half, you know, celebrating a thousand, thousand episodes. 
I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what type of uh, chummery that Shark Boy will get off into. Indeed. I mean, the Shark Boy thing with the change from being from the Deep Blue Sea to, you know, being um, the Steve Austin personally, let's be honest. Yeah. What's hilarious because he just used to do it to pop everybody in the back. And then I think it was Demore who went, why do we just make it your character? That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and he's been doing it ever since. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it, it was intriguing, definitely. And it was fun. So I think this is the thing is like, I'm a joyless person who only likes professional wrestling. I don't even watch the promos too much on New Japan. I just kind of like wind through them <laughs> because I just want to watch wrestling matches. And I think this is the thing as I've got too old of I just enjoy wrestling and I don't want to deal with everything else and i think that's the thing i think that was the major reason for me for shifting to japan because even if there are skits is gift i don't understand it anyway and therefore that's fine <laughs> and i don't know if it's my age or if it's just like i've reached the ultimate zen period of just watching pure wrestling i can just watch a show and just enjoy the actual match and everything else in between i could do without so I don't know if it's me just being old and joyless, and I apologise if that is so. I do try to be positive about things, and some things will pop me and, and make me go, "Ah, that's really cool," and that was pretty funny. I enjoyed that bit. I think Next. part of yeah, yeah. I think part of it is natural evolution. I mean, you you know, you couldn't uh, you're not completely from this. You still watch everything as much as you can. <laughs> you, you find, I mean, the fact that you you know found some enjoyment in that. I mean, a lot of people would just you know stop it. Something like shock, shock born. Look at him as some some type of sacrilege thing, uh, particularly in, in in terms of his relation to uh, Stone Cold. But I I think it's hilarious. Um, and he's had some all time segments in the company. But um, yeah, I think I think it's just a natural thing. I mean, you know, uh, also I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of just how much you've consumed over the years. You know, you've seen you've seen so much, and you kind of have, have seen enough to really hone in just precisely what you want. Um, and it also helps with the, with the Japan content that you know it makes it easier when you can't understand what's being said if it's if it's a flub. You get increasingly annoyed when you watch bad promos in your own language. Like it's just it's a cringe on another level. It's just cringe on another level, and it's annoying, particularly when you've been watching the same people be bad at it for years when it comes to promos. So I think it's. You know, uh, you just you just know what you want. You stick with it, you know. But uh, I do appreciate the fact that you still have the bandwidth to watch uh, stuff. Even you know uh, this much stuff, because most people would just you know it's it, you know how it is on. It's so tribalistic now on Twitter and, and with so many wrestling fans that it just becomes like you know like a a, a toxic death match online a lot of times around so much of this stuff. So, you know. No, you're absolutely right. And it's like Fight TV put up a poll yesterday. Who's the greatest British professional wrestler of all time? Because all the replies are Osprey. And it's like, he's not even the best British professional wrestler alive now. <laughs> it's like, you know, and it's like, but I dare, I dare, I just dare. I, I, I kind of like, I kind of made fun of it and just posted pictures of people like Oscar and Brian Gordon <laughs> and old school British people because it is like, yeah, I'm not getting into that argument. It's just life's too short. But it is, I think that's the thing. You're right about the tribalness. And I think as well is just like, I have watched an awful lot of wrestling. Like, I can't sit and watch Impact for two hours every week. And I can't sit and watch AEW. I don't mind dipping in and out. And I'll stick to the big shows because I have so many shows to watch. 
I would love to sit and watch every Noah show if I could, because Noah's awesome, but I just don't have the time to watch everything because I have a job, <laughs> a long job. So, you know, and you, you, I watch maybe two shows a weekend then catch up where I can during the week. And you still, like, there are other things I want to consume, like films and stuff, which are equally time-consuming. So I guess, I guess it gets down to just the nitty-gritty of what makes what makes wrestling tick for you, and I think wrestling matches are it. So let's talk about wrestling match. In fact, the return of a long-lost friend, Feast or Fired. Um, this was fun. It involved, it was a kind of get-everybody-on-the-show kind of match. Um, I'm going to look it up. I haven't looked it up on Cage Match, so I'm going to look up the, the full list of competitors upon cage match. Where are we? Events. Impact 1000. Here we go. Right. Um, Chris Bay, Crazy Steve, Mushui, Umora, Alpha Bravo, Bundit Kujak, Black Taurus, Brian Myers, Heath, Jay Vidal, Joe Hendry, Johnny Swinger, John Skyler, Jonathan Gresham, that's an awful lot of people called John, Kevin Knight, Kushida, Laredo Kid, PCO, Sonny Callahan, Steve McLean. 30 minutes and 34 seconds. The winners were Chris Bay, Crazy Steve, Moose, and Yue Iwimura in Feast or Fired. So we will find out next week what were the, in their particular briefcases. I'm wondering who got what. And I'm wondering who's going to be fired. Because I don't think they want any of those people particularly to go anywhere. Because they're all really good, except for Moose. <laughs> I know you like Moose. But I'd be like, I suppose it'd be intriguing if they fired Moose, but it's been one of their biggest kind of draws, or biggest interest points for quite some time. So I'm I'm intrigued where that could go. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, it was it was cool to see uh, Feast of Fire back. There's some, you know, TNA was not short on, uh, we're going to say, a lot of creative match concepts. Um, in, in his heyday, and uh, Feast of Fire was an interesting one. You know, it it, it definitely creates it creates instant opportunity for, uh, for championship contenders, obviously, and then it kind of, from a writing perspective, I guess, backs you into uh, into a corner creatively. Um, that could also could be used as a way to get rid of somebody who's uh, already on the way out. But also, like you said, if they got somebody, you know, like Muslims of getting fired when we basically just know he basically just, uh, he pretty much recently just signed like maybe that longest deal or something like to that, to that effect. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that creates a unique opportunity in, in terms of writing yourself in the corner and seeing how you can get out of it. So we'll see how it ends up. But I think, uh, to your point, would you say the winners are Moose, uh, Chris Bay. Crazy Steve. Yeah, Chris Bay, Crazy Steve, and UAU Amara. Yeah, so those are definitely some interesting candidates. Uh, obviously, tag team implications come immediately to mind when you think about Bay and, and Umanor. And uh, Steve is definitely a wild card. It's going to be interesting to see if it's him or Moose. Uh, potentially, that goes on either, and it's it's either one or the other two. So that's that's always the, the intrigue with Feast of Fire. But like I said, it does create a unique opportunity in terms for the writing because exactly where they're going to go uh, particularly somebody like steve who was on the cusp of breaking out in a newer character of of, of his evolution and seeing where they want to go with that so like you said it was a, it was a cluster but you know impact always does a, a, a 
I think a fine job of making these clusters bearable in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, feast of fire, man. It was uh, it was good to see it back. Yeah, yeah. this is the only thing. Is like Bay. I know. I think he's resigned as well recently. And then Steve has kind of been on the edges of stuff and not been involved yeah. in a ton of things. So it's possibly him. Or New Japan might want Umura back. But I don't see why. Because if they were going to bring him back, they'd bring him back at Wrestle Kingdom and give him a massive fanfare. Because he's clearly, of the New Japan guys coming back, Narita, Suji, um, Narita, Suji, and uh, Umino have made a big splash. But I think Umura could be even bigger than those three. Because he's got kind of like ultimate babyface appeal. So I think they want to do something big with him. But I suppose, yeah, I don't know. It's difficult to say. But I can, like you said, it, 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 again, but it's Goro's thinking. He's Goro's talking about stuff. Who could it possibly be? So that's that's one of the things why the reason why they do it, isn't it? But there you go. Um, so what happened next after that match? Let's look right forward. Um, it went for a long time. Oh no, it didn't. We just we had a bit of an interview with Chris Saban because he was challenging uh, for the X Division Championship um, at the end of this particular match. Not an awful lot said about said about this interview. Um, obviously, Leo Rush is the current um, Impact Wrestling X Division Champion. He has been showing a bit of sneaky style as a member of Chaos in the Impact roster, and people are not liking it. But he's a member of Chaos, so it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, they aren't perfectly good, good guys. They're professional wrestlers in the most professional sense. Um, but yes, um, I suppose not an awful lot to say about that, so we'll move on. To the return, for the first time in seven years, the Team 3D as Brother Devon joins Brother Ray for a, a pretty good match up against the um, returning Desi Hit Squad, who are also, you know, a long-time tag team in Impact Wrestling that maybe did not quite make the industry-wide splash that Team 3D did. Um, though this was a bit of a squash, let's be honest, because there was only going to be one winner, and the only reason why anyone was here was to see Devon fetch the tables, because why else would you be there? It's, it's a nostalgia match entirely. Kind of like goes against the grain of the fact that Bully Ray has been... You know, a heel for since his return to Impact Wrestling, <laughs> but this yeah. was full on babyface, and this it kind of goes against the grain. But you can forgive things for a one night only deal, can't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's Team 3D, man, absolutely, you know, legendary tag team, what have you. And also, these guys are, are, are you know, uh, past their prime in a lot of ways, but they still got enough in the tank to, you know, put on put on a, you know. A, showing that the crowd at least appreciates so you know shout out to the desert hit squad i think you know to your point they knew what they were there for you know um and they allowed them to have a little segment beforehand obviously rohit was doing most of the talking as you would imagine the the, the mocha skin manimal as he calls himself <laughs> um, and uh yeah they knew what they were there for and it wasn't it wasn't uh they got a little bit of offense in but you know again it's one of them things i call the foregone conclusion matches and uh, they got in there, they got good. Devon, you know, got to have a good good moment in there. And uh, like I said, classic team, 3D affair, get in there, get out. Not a not a long time, but a good time, you know. 
it reminds me of a story from Mick Foley's biography um, when he was challenging Ron Simmons for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And there was kind of a, a network television party beforehand and he was talking with a bunch of friends and someone raised a subject that I think it was uh, Ric Flair won, like on the very first Clash of the Champions, somebody won the world title. I can't remember who it was. It had been Ronnie Garvin or something. And Mick says, well, maybe <laughs> maybe there'll be a title change tomorrow night. To which Alan Anderson replied, I don't care if the son of a bitch dies, you will roll him on top of you. <laughs> that is brilliant. Because um is out. <laughs> oh dear. But yes. Uh let us move on to the next segment, which was uh was it a segment or was it a match? Oh yes, indeed, it was um him. Josh Alexander came down to talk about his quote unquote impact wrestling heavyweight championship. And Alex Shelley, somewhat aggrieved, came down to discuss um, the position of the champion. This was a fairly intense promo from both guys. And maybe the pressure is getting to Shelley after being the guy, go-to guy for so long that he's finally, you know, cracking under the pressure of the championship, which is the story they're trying to tell. And they did a very good job with this promo here. Shelley's not known as an intense promo, I suppose, and for many years as a babyface, he didn't have to be. But this was not really a heelish promo, but edging in on reality. And I liked it an awful lot. Alexander isn't necessarily an impassioned promo. That may be one of the things that he has got to knock on him as kind of like the figurehead of the company. But he's been their most consistent performer, and people genuinely like him because he's a genuinely likable guy. Um, which is kind of what you want in your babyface heavyweight champion. Um, so what was your thoughts on this program? Oh, I dug it. I appreciate both these guys, man. Alexander has been an absolute ace. Um, and it's good to see him back off of injury. Um, we, you know, we know he's, I mean, he's, uh, such a short time made himself an absolute pillar in the company and has had some of their best matches period within the last number of years. And Shelly has always been a, a stalwart in the company, another pillar, um, also in the fastest relating to the tag team, obviously with the legendary team of, you know, the Motor City Machine Guns, and obviously, you know, alongside with that, with the time splitters with Kushida, but specifically in ten, uh, an impact with uh, Chris Saban, and then in the exhibition also. But it, it, it's been great to see that they went in the direction of actually putting it on Shelley, and it's not knocking Steve Macklin because I appreciated the fact that they actually kept the story going with Macklin of telling that whole story thing of, of not only building him towards the world title, but making him go after Alexander the way that they did. And I think he's improved a lot because of how much focus he got. But I feel like Shelley was one of those situations. We've talked about it numerous of times over the years about some of these guys, even as good as they are, tend to get the always bridesmaid never the bride treatment. And, you know, they finally pulled the trigger on Shelly. I thought he's been really good. But the the great thing that's coming off of with him and Alexander is, like, you are the champion, you are great, and you are good, but I never lost the title, and when I had it, you couldn't beat me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, you know, having that thing in American Fight Night, obviously it's not like a situation where we got with Grace and Deanna where she was up on Grace for, for nothing, but you know, there is that thing of, like, 
I, I got this title, but I didn't get it off him. Can I beat this guy? Um, and I think that, that that is something in the back of Shelly's mind because Alexander really is just that good. Um, so the, the tension there is it, it feels palpable. And the fact that, you know, this segment ended with, you know, them basically getting jumped. Uh, and specifically, Alexander and Shelly's just like, you know, I don't have to. You're not my guy. I'm not, you know, we're not a team. We're not boys. I don't have to help you in this matter. You want to be Iron Man? Okay. And kind of and kind of walk off. It, it, the attention feels palpable and building towards potentially uh, bound for glory or something of the like. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, it's it's the right right amount of attention going to, uh, into it. I'm looking forward to this second bout. <laughs> Yes, for sure. I mean, Shelly's been absolutely on fire since he came back to the company. Um, and as well, I mean, um, yes, the Rascals did do the damage at the end of this with the running as they're trying to kind of like reestablish themselves as the former, you know, um, obviously they were, they went away for a while as two of them went off to WWE and now one's come back and there is a tag team that they've been, they've been working kind of in not necessarily towards the tag team titles, but to bigger things, having pretty much done everything they could do in the tag team division and in the X division, where do you go next? Well, there's only one belt to go for. Um, and yeah, and that's the thing. I think this is this is the, the kind of depth that Impact Wrestling hasn't had for quite some time in terms of the main event as far as quality performance is concerned. The bench has got a lot deeper. I was thinking about this. After I had a long walk home this afternoon, <laughs> for a story Marcus knows about, um, I was thinking about, like, you used to watch Impact just because of the women. And Chelsea's fallen. Uh, I was talking to her last week. I got to meet Chelsea. She was in she was in the UK and I went to go see her. But she watches Impact every week, but she only watches the women's matches. Um, and but now it, it, it's much more watchable products at the top end of the show and for a long time i didn't think it was it would be like i get to the final segment and oh, i don't need to watch this because it's just not interesting to me but because they've kind of moved into a different era where the work rate's higher you've got everyone is viable as a main event contender especially guys who came from the exhibition which is what it was like at the start of the company you know you go back to who were the big stars of the company Chris Daniels, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, the guys that came up through the X Division and worked their way to the main event. And you've got that position again. Josh Alexander isn't an X Division guy, but he worked his way through the tag team titles as part of the North. Uh, Alex Shelley obviously had a career almost entirely in the X Division and the tag team division. You know, and it's it's that kind of homegrown balance that they've got better with. Macklin's a good example of a guy who worked through the X Division, came up. Um, and, you know, he's not a traditional X Division guy, but he worked his way through the roster and that's how they've made stars and kept stars. And that's what they're doing with Alexander and with um, Shelley. And it's it's made it more watchable, whereas than, you know, a few years ago, it felt like they were just pushing guys for the sake of pushing guys and it didn't seem to work out. But the organic feed that Demora got going has made things much more workable. No, absolutely. It feels it feels viable from from top to bottom to the point where like every championship, you know, feels like it. You know, it's it's in competition and it's in, in contention and has uh, competitors lined up to go. Like even even stuff with the digital media championship, which I I think I've never really 
really paid a lot of attention to until they did it. Uh, I put it on um, Joe Hendry, which is somebody I've had to warm up to because um, I kind of thought he was just like one of those entertaining acts and then really sitting down with it, doing his few moves. I'm like, oh, no, this guy, this guy can go. And he's entertaining and he's making music that's mildly catchy and, and primarily getting it towards his opponents making these little funny skits. It's really been brilliant. The fact that he's got this thing going with uh, uh, the young young man from New Japan has been, you know, great. So it really feels like they're kind of firing all cylinders from from top to bottom for me, like you said. Whereas before, you very much had to kind of come in and cherry pick a lot, specifically during those dark those dark age years. That that really, you know, turned turned folks like you off and really just kind of made it a suffrage instead of, you know. Um, you know, an alternative. So, yeah, they, they've made a tremendous uh, amount of growth in, in that regard. And I think, like you said, the main event scene, looking at guys like Alexander and, and Alex, who were both in premier tag teams and probably wasn't touted as being the guys that would get here, um, it, it's been it's been great to see. And you got got guys like Macklin, and you can pull up guys like Bailey and, and, and guys like Jonathan Gresham and others. You know, you got guys on the ready instead of, like you said, some hand-picked guys with with, with hardly any character or, 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 you know, barely any storylines that kind of just get put in position because they look like they should be there. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing is, like, you know, if you look to the tag team of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander when the North were full-on, you would not think that Ethan Page, you not you think Ethan Page was a lock for world heavyweight champion in Impact Wrestling because you know he was that good, but it wasn't him that got to the top of the mountain first. It was well, he didn't even last long enough in the company to get to the top of the mountain. Though he was exceptionally good as a singles wrestler, and he does exceptionally good work in AEW. But you know you kind of kind of put put the the rocket on him because he was such a good character wrestler, good in ring wrestler. The total package, but it wasn't him that kind of clicked with the fans who, you know, and sometimes that's just the way it is. You don't necessarily see Josh Alexander as a, as a full-on top me baby, top baby face because of he's so mild-mannered and, and quiet, you know, there's a reason why they called him a silent killer when he first turned up. <laughs> Whereas now he's he's got the fans behind him and that's the kind of thing that can only happen through organic kind of pushing and organic kind of storytelling. So let us us move on to something that kind of has happened in recent years in Impact Wrestling that's kind of just naturally snuck in there, which is intergender wrestling. And this is an intergender tag team match, not a mixed tag team match, an intergender tag team match. With Frank Bazarian and Tracy Brooks going up against Alicia and Eddie Edwards. Uh, a feud that's been going for quite some time over locker room rights and the legacy of Killer Kowalski and various other bits and pieces, um, whatever they can have an argument over. <laughs> um, and Frankie Kazarian and Tracy Brooks, obviously married couple, as are Alicia Edwards and Eddie Edwards, and they decided to have a tag team match that was under mixed wrestling rules. And this was a nice example of how to do, a, uh, do sorry, under gender, mixed intergender rules. This was a nice example of how to do intergender rule wrestling um, the right way, I think, without being obnoxiously difficult on network television. (laughs) 
No, absolutely. This was uh, this was another cool thing to see, and, and again, kudos to the to consistency in the writing because this is something that's been building for months. Um, that they've been working towards, and it hasn't just been some petty, um, couple stuff. Like they've taken this back to, you know, Eddie, uh, yeah, Eddie and, and Frankie's training. What I think was a Killer Kowalski they trained with. Yeah, they was. Yeah, um, they they've had segments where they they brought in you know his name up in the picture and everything in the play and, and just bringing up that history and uh, they they've had some great segments uh, both in and out of the ring so it's been really cool and just bringing the lovely Ch- Tracy back into the fold and just like the overall evolution of Lish because she's been there you know for a very long time as well with the company and certainly obviously tied to her husband um, and, and his storylines but she's kind of just been the add on for a lot. Uh, specifically stemming out of that that incident with uh, Callahan and, and and Eddie all those years ago, which kind of started to spawn that 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 evolution of Eddie towards his crazier years, if you will. And she's very much been a part of that as a uh, support system, if you will. But now she's kind of breaking out, and we kind of saw her trying to get more involved in the ring slowly but surely throughout those kind of wacky years with Eddie. But now, you know, they put more focus on her as a character. And it's been great seeing the flip of that with Eddie now being the support system and her kind of being the, the uh, one with the bravado. Um, because I think even even as a heel, Lish is somebody you want to root for. This in turn, because she's small, she's diminutive, but she's kind of feisty and all that. So it was cool just to see her have that breakout moment at uh, Victory Road against Trent and everything she's been doing up until that point. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, two on-screen couples that are actually real-life couples and clashing and, uh, like you said, properly doing a mixed-gender tag and, you know, having all the feels and then, you know, have a, a, a pretty solid match bringing potentially this feud to a close and then capping it off with such a great surprise at the end. This was really well done. Yeah, it was. I mean, this worked out really, really well for both teams. I think some would argue that at least taking the pinfall to a retired wrestler might be a bit rum, considering that she's currently active on the roster. But I don't think it is purely because Alicia's a sneaky heel who kind of gets her own way by backhanded tactics. So, you know, she got a world title shot thanks to interference and you know, all of these things that cause her problem. She causes problems for everybody else. So it's not like she's billed as a dominant champion. If it was Deanna Peraza or Jordan Grace getting pinned, I would have a problem with it. But this wasn't that. You know, um, Alicia's, you're right, she's the scrappy underdog, which is also kind of a weak heel, which gets her gets by through divisive means. So her losing here doesn't really lose her anything. And it nicely sets up the fact that Tracy Brooks is going into the TNA Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, at Bound for Glory. Um, and there was a nice promo package for but for her and her history with the company, the original knockout. Now, before we get to the main event, we had an interview with Leo Rush um, about his feelings for the uh, Impact Wrestling Championship, um, X Division Championship. Um, next week is Eric Young versus uh, Kenny King, Jake something versus Dirty Dango, um, and Beast of Fire results. So I guess we might have to watch next week's show as well. <laughs> to round off this episode or it's not going to work, is it? Because we can't tell half the story. And next week is more celebration stuff. So shall we, shall we come back and try again next week, Marcus? 
Yeah, yeah, man. Like the, the, just them having the ability to pull you in twice. You know, I think it's impressive. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's good. It's, it's a hoot. <laughs> it's been a hoot watching this. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we could also sneak a Glate show in there. There's one Glate show that's currently waiting to be watched. We normally wait for two, but we could do that one as well if you wanted to. But we'll see how we get on this week. Main event time, though. Chris Saban challenging for the X Division Championship against current champion Leo Rush. Leo Rush, since he left the WWE, really has been everywhere and been on fire everywhere he seems to have found a home in new japan pro wrestling and his tag team with yo certainly as a character but he's been seconded off to impact wrestling whilst the juniors take a break during the g1 climax season and probably might be back for world tag league best of super juniors tag league um to tag team with uh yo again i hope because their tag team is absolutely stunning um and Chris Saban's kind of the ideal opponent. The first episode of Impact Wrestling was Chris Saban challenging for the X Division Championship. So we come full circle 1,000 episodes later. Saban, who again has been absolutely outstanding as a professional wrestler in the last few years, still at the top of his game. Though he's slowed a pace, he is not particularly slowed down as a storyteller. Um, looking for his 10th X Division Championship run and to try and complete... The, the the time machine trios tag team of Kushida, um, Chris Saban and Alex Shelley's uh, rise to the top of the company um, and return the belt where he feels it belongs around his waist. Leo, of course, like we said, top-notch performer. This was here to showcase his skills and this was the kind of main event level match that Impact Wrestling has been known for down the years. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because these are arguably two of the best junior heavyweights in pro wrestling right now. And at a time when pro wrestling, junior heavyweight pro wrestling is having one of its most productive periods of the last 30 years. There is not as many big name junior heavyweights around now. There hasn't been anything like this since the mid nineties. And, you know, there's Leo, there's, there's Shelly, there's Saban, there's a bunch of guys in the X division in impact wrestling. There's the New Japan Junior Heavyweight Division. The All Japan Junior Heavyweight Division is cooking. The NOAA Junior Heavyweight Division is insane. So this is where wrestling is at these days. If you want the future of pro wrestling, who's the biggest stars in New Japan pro wrestling? In WWE, guys like AJ Styles and guys like Finn Balor who pioneered this style of wrestling, not just in Impact, but also in New Japan and all over the world. What's your thoughts on this match? Because this was absolutely killer. Oh, this was brilliant, and, and so again, God, you know, it feels like uh, still, still getting used to, you know, com- for me, completely just um, consistently complimenting Impact on the writing, but they've been doing so much better with that over the last few number of years. And to your point, I think a lot of it has to do with the oversight of the more, um, you know, behind the scenes and everything, and just keeping everything level and consistent. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's so great to see. You say Saban uh, changed up his style a little bit, but it hasn't hurt him in a way. I think it's made him better um, because obviously he's had you know a number of injuries in years past, and when he originally had came back with uh, with Shetty, I was hoping you know that he he kind of kept it light because a lot of that uh, he hurt himself a lot when he was trying to hit all the, a lot of those high flying maneuvers. So I think he's found a, a good 
a good happy uh, medium with his style of old and, and, and what he's had to transition into. So again, him and Bo Shelly have been brilliant. But Leo, man, it's, he's just been just a breath of fresh air in terms of him going to, to New Japan and just shining as bright as he possibly can and getting to showcase over there what what we've seen in glimpses over here in certain instances what we knew he could do over here he went and did over there and came back and it's really found like felt like he's found a new groove and he's been great for impact hopefully they'll be able to keep him around a little bit you know uh longer um i know he really appreciated winning the exhibition i like the way that they did it usually you don't like somebody like saving getting the title what they did with a historic ninth reign then immediately dropping it but the way that they executed with having Leo do a preemptive strike and then basically disorienting disorienting him to the point where he couldn't really fight back in the match. So he really got the upper hand on him and it, it told a great story of just how, like you said, that sneaky style of rush winning by any means necessary and that whole deal. It's just great to see because for a minute there, we did not know if Rush was going to keep wrestling. At a, at a certain point, you know, I know he's had his ups and down battles outside the ring. So to see him kind of come into a, a, you know, a renewed version of himself and absolutely killing it, like you said, it's been great. And this was a main event worthy match. And the fact that you bring the full circle with Saban main event in the first Impact show and then the main event of the 1000 and then capping that off with a historic 10th reign, it's just, uh, you know, absolutely cherry on cherry on cherry on top, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's been so much fun to watch Saban and Shelley kind of become the guys in this company that they were part of for so long. Um, and, you know, they did have breaks and they, they, they come back. But this was really like a New Japan level main event in the sense of the callbacks, the, the, what they've told in the story before, you know, Saban. Um, really selling to the point where the commentators were bought into the fact that he was injured and then just coming out of it because he was playing possum. There was just so much going on in this match. And it shows the influence of kind of like, it was one of the things I was noticing, like when the New Japan guys first started going to Impact Wrestling, it felt like they came down from another planet. And it felt like they were lowering themselves. Do you know what I mean? And now I watch Uemura and I watch Kevin Knight and Kushida um, and Leo Rush and they brought the level up. People are working at their level. Does that make sense to you? They fit in now, not because the Impact guys have dragged them down, but they seem to have dragged everybody else up. Does that make sense? <laughs> it seems no. really me towards the Impact guys, but there was a period of time like two years ago Jay White turned up and just looked like a megastar and outshone yeah. everybody on the show. And everybody kind of got dragged up to his level. And, you know, other guys like Chris Bay and, and um, Ace Austin were two of those guys. They've gone to New Japan. They've done loads of tours with guys who are just as good as they are or better than they are. They've come back. They've dragged the level up. You know, it seems like the level of wrestling on the show in general is much better by this snapshot, even like stuff like Feast or Fired, which is always a mess. It's kind of supposed to be a mess. That's kind of the point. Um, but the level of wrestling was just so much higher than what I'm used to from Impact Wrestling of two or three years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was talking about this with a friend about how, like, they, they consistently over, like, some of the, you know, best matches that they've had in, in the last couple of years or so have been on an edition of Impact. Like, you're talking about, like, just instant Impact classics, if you will, with the likes of Officer Josh Alexander, Mike Bailey, Jonathan Gresham. Um, and you've had, like you said, various stuff in the X Division. Like, just from top to bottom, it, it does feel like the levels have been raised. And I wonder... Um, and, and maybe you could uh, pinpoint this, like, what was the, the kicking point of that? Maybe it was just, like, a, a natural osmosis over time or just an overall attitude upshift, if you will, and just the attitude of going out there and just going balls to the wall with it because, you know, there's never been uh, necessarily any any type of strong critiques. Like, Impact never had quality wrestlers. You know, it's always been creative or, or something, you know, behind the scenes or you know, whatever regime was going on at the time, obviously, with that. But in terms of the talent, they've always had talent. But it does feel like everybody has kicked it up a gear. And like you said, to the point of, like, it, it seems like a natural thing for them to get in there with the guys uh, from New Japan Fair and just put on those style matches. And it's just really made both the weekly shows, the specials, and certainly the pay-per-views almost must-see, you know. I think it's a mix of things, and I think it's partly the more giving people room to work. Matches seem longer than they used to be, even though they're not, maybe. They just seem to get more packed in, so I think they've kind of been freed, the road agents have freed them up to do more stuff. Um, and I think the women's division hasn't really changed. It's always been that good, and when you're outshining the guys week in, week out, the guys will have to pick up the pace eventually, or people are going to notice. Um, because the women, like I said, Chelsea doesn't watch the men's wrestling. What's the point for her? She likes the women's wrestling. She loves Trinity. She loves Barrazzo. She loves all those women. So I think people have been drawn to it for the women's wrestling. So at some point, the guys have got to go, right then, we've got to get on with this, lads. I think the New Japan talent swap agreement has been incredibly beneficial for Impact Wrestling in that sense of, Mike Bailey is a good example. He's an absolute megastar of a wrestler. And he had such a good run in Best of Super Juniors getting to the, getting to the final. You know, but look at the guys he wrestled, Romo Takahashi and uh, Desperado, all of these great wrestlers. All of a sudden he gets loads better because he's been exposed to other things than the things he's been used to in GCW and Impact Wrestling. That's not to say he isn't great, but his timing improves, his reactions improve, but the, the way he puts together matches has improved. And that's the same for, you know, guys coming in like Leo Rush, he's up the game. You know, um, guys like Kushida, who can not only up the game, but also tell other guys and train other guys to be better than what they are. You know, Impact Wrestling has improved leaps and bounds because of not, and part, and I think it's as well is they haven't had the big names. Like you look at the talent swap agreement between Ring of Honor and New Japan, it would roll around to that frontiers with that on a show, and you'd get the guys from New Japan, and it'd be NATO, and it would be Okada and Ishii and Tanahashi and Nakamura, and they'd have a great matches and they'd have a killer card, and then they go up, and that was that. <laughs> but. Kushida yep. and Iwamura and Kevin Knight have been embedded in the company for six months. Now, they might get called back for Best of Super Juniors Tag League, 
um, and they lose them for a few months. But it doesn't matter because they've been embedded in the company and they can share and they've brought standards up with them. And like Bailey's gone back and he's better than he was before Best of Super Juniors because he's been exposed to all of this. And it, it goes back to um, something I, I remember watching the Dynamite Kid documentary and then we're talking to the Honky Tonk man, Wayne Ferris, who was in Stampede when Dynamite and David Boy turned up. And they said, what was it like being on the same cards as Dynamite? They said, they said they just turned up and they set the place on fire and we had to keep up. That was it. Just go. We just pressed go or we got fired because we weren't good enough. And they just dragged everybody along with them. <laughs> and he said, all of a sudden, we're working in one of the best companies in the world because Dynamite and David Boy were just that good. And they just dragged everybody forward. And I think that's what's happened. The, the mix of talent that's come in. I think that Jay White period where he was there for a year because he couldn't wrestle in, in Japan because of, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That dragged things up because he was an incredible promo and he's an incredible wrestler and had great matches while he was there. And I think there's a much more of a new Japan feel about impact wrestling. You've still got the skits and the silliness, but the wrestling seems to be more serious now. Does that make sense? It seemed like for a while they were always supposed to be about great wrestling. And in the early days, they definitely were. And there was always great wrestling in the company. Yeah, You had to go find it amongst the fluff. Whereas now wrestling's become a bit more of the point again. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like you said, it really is just that that natural transition. Of, like you said, by osmosis and, and really, like you said, implanting these guys in there for a number of months and, and letting them properly mesh with other talent. Like you said, the Ushidas with Kevin Knights. Um, you know, uh, even them bringing back Jake something. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a it's been a great thing. I'm glad they was able to get him back because I think he's uh, got a lot of potential. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Jay White and um, like you said, what happened with ABC and they were already good. You know, they were already like just a great combination. But they they turned into something else when they went over to New Japan and then came back. Um, so that they, they, they're somebody great to put up against. You know, somebody like the Rascals who had a, a, a renewed vigor with themselves and. I know Trey's happy because he's got his boy back with him, and, you know, because he had to run, run strong on his own there for a minute. But yeah, it really does, like you said, just feel like everything, um, like they brought in the proper tide to raise all the ships. And uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I can tell you when ABC got good. I can tell you the match they were up against. Uh, tide, um, uh, oh God. Kanemaru and um, oh, I can't remember his tag team fighting name. Just five guys. Hang on. Just five guys. Taichi, Nuki Michinoku. Dookie, there you go. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were tagging against Kanemaru and Dookie. And they went 25 minutes and it was non-stop for 25 minutes. Like Kanemaru has never moved that fast in 15 years. <laughs> and, and they tore the house down. And I think they were in Kanemaru's hometown and the crowd was so into it. And obviously Duke and Kanemaru were the baby faces, even in Suzuki, you know, because they were going up against Bullet Club. 
Um, they tore the house down and they they took a win at the end. And Dookie gave a promo in English at the end. And it was the best tag match I saw ABC in because Dookie and Kanemaru knew exactly what to do to get them in the right place. And Bay and Ace Austin are smart enough to sit and listen, if you see what I mean. You could see them learning as they went. And the pacing they've had since they came back from then has just been absolutely astonishingly good. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, and that was the best match of the time at that tournament. There were some crackers in that tournament as well. I'm looking forward to seeing who comes this year because it's going to be amazing. It was better than the heavyweight tournament last year because the heavyweight tournament was ploddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took forever to get going. It was like... It all happened in the last three days, and then Bushimon win. And it was like, I love Bushimon, don't get me wrong, but it was like two days ago, they were, they were going to lose and lose, not get to the semi final, not get to the final, but they ended up winning the whole thing. But yeah, it, it's um, it's it's intriguing, certainly, um, just watching the growth of this company. But I think the New Japan stuff has done an awful lot for them as far as in ring content is concerned, without losing the charm of what Impact Wrestling is about. Absolutely, absolutely. It feels like the, the, the proper mission, like you said, it's not the what we would get with Ring of Honor all those years ago where it was like, okay, now the product's going to get kicked up, but only because New Japan's coming in the Ring of Honor. Um, and, it, and it's not the AEW stuff where it felt like the big cousins were coming to remind the little cousins that they would never be as good as the big cousins. <laughs> feel that this feels like the happy medium of the space they wanted to get in. Uh, in, in that in that particular regard, and uh, like I said, it's great to see the consistency in the writing, the, the competition that's been raised, the fact that they were even able to get to me a lot of these people back, and even bring in names like Trinity. Well, years ago, people wouldn't have even scoffed at not only returning to the company, but even scoffed at potentially going in the first place. You know, so I think you know, uh, obviously when Anthem. Um, fully acquired them, and then obviously the more and uh, I guess um, Callis at the time, you know, had a had a long road to kind of get here. They just had to stay consistent and let time do its thing. And uh, obviously, I think the more is kind of the last man standing, but he's done a great job um, in, in getting to the position he's uh, gotten to. And I think he's done a really great job. And it kind of feels like you know, after a thousand episodes, it really feels like. An appreciation moment for for both the wrestlers and the and the fans, particularly you know guys like us, and particularly me who stuck with it through everything. Like I never stopped watching, so I feel like this is is a thank you from the company for sticking with them because you know there was some years there were like we talking about a thousand episodes where it was like it felt like there was a, a thousand times where it came over like oh they they're gonna this is gonna be the day they're gonna end they're gonna come to an end like they had a thousand chances to put themselves out of business and they gave it they gave it the you know the old college try and uh you know they they still here man and it's it's, it's great to see you know because in a lot of ways they better than a lot of mainstream stuff that we're getting elsewhere you know i think that's the thing. i think they were the model they're clearly the model for aw in the sense of if you produce enough content some will put it on your tv show somewhere if you can produce enough reasonable quality content it doesn't have to be great. And we both know that it's just been terrible. But, you know, I think this is the thing. I remember I say, oh, AEW is going to close within three months. Like, it's not. Never going away. If Impact Wrestling, at its worst, could still maintain a strong television presence, 
and we've seen the worst. We've seen how horrid it could get. Like biblical proportions of how dire tele wrestling television can be. And they still managed to survive after a thousand episodes. It's kind of a backhanded compliment for sure, but it does tell you how like you can how much of it is meant, how much it means to the wrestling industry and how much it works, you know, how much a wrestling show can do for pro wrestling. Does that make sense? Or what show what a pro wrestling show can do as far as longevity is concerned, as far as um as far as uh presenting itself as you know good quality television and you know it can still keep going aw will still keep going because they're making relatively cheap television for the biggest tv company in the world arguably one of the biggest companies in the world ring of honor Honor will never really go away because Tony Khan loves the company and wants to, to do best by the company and will therefore continue to make television programs even if nobody watches them because he likes the company. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's it, Khan's, Khan's sensibilities around a lot of stuff is, is both, you know, uh, to the benefit and detriment in a lot of ways uh, that we kind of get an up and down thing with uh, with that company. But, you know, uh, like you said, they, they do kind of follow the blueprint of what, you know, Impact uh, set. And like I said, it does feel like a reward as a fan who sat through all those dark ages at times where, like, the only time Impact got brought up in the, within the wrestling zeitgeist was as a punchline. Um, and, and it sucked, but it got to a point where you really couldn't even argue with it. There was there was no debating on anything when it came to, you know, the the, the, the traction of the product. But now, you know, it doesn't, it, it feels like, once again, a viable option and another great place for people to go, not some place where people had to be because they couldn't go anywhere else. Like you, like I said, I think them, their acquisition of Trinity and all the support that she's garnered from from not only, you know, her contemporaries in the industry, but also the fans and just seeing just the amount of joy that she's getting and the opportunity for her to show her creativity uh, on a more uh, complete level. You know, than, than where she was in WWE. It's just, it's just been brilliant to see. And like I said, talking about just the uptick in the wrestling and hearing news that they're planning on taking the production up a level, which they've been desperately needing to do for years. But you got to put your car before the horse. So you needed to get this type of stuff lined up because you don't want to, for it to look great. And then you got a, you know, a show full of Doink the Clowns. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's just it's just really good to see to get back to a place where it feels like things are level because it was so comedically lopsided for so long. Like I couldn't like it, it really did get to a point where like I I couldn't even like it was almost embarrassing to even bring it up to you. <laughs> like this is I can't justify asking them to watch this this for this like <laughs> on YouTube or something of the like. But uh, yeah, yeah, like I, you know, there was a period there. I remember that time when it was just the Hardys that was keeping the company going. <laughs> it was just the broken stuff, and that 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 is about as a, a, a quiet a taste as you can get when it comes to stuff uh, dealing with wrestling. So yeah, man, it's uh feels like a new day as an Impact fan almost. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's it's it's. it's... It's a wonderful thing to see a company still doing as well as it can do and employing 89 wrestlers and God knows how many backstage staff and four or five referees 
You know, yeah. the people want a full-time contract that can earn a living from that company. We have four companies that can do that now. I mean, absolutely. And also at a time where we're getting so many things, I mean, look at Dark Side of the Ring and other things that, that's that's coming out in, in documentary form. And even before that, like we've seen how many things have been started and, and stopped and abruptly ended and just crashed and burned within, you know, the business of people trying to start things. And, and you know, most TV shows with the landscape that's that's happening now, it's hard enough to get things off the ground, let alone potentially make it to a hundred episodes of anything. You know, most shows these days not even making it out of one season. So the fact that you got a, a TV program that got to a thousand episodes, that's that's a true, real accomplishment. You know, obviously, you know, WWE has set the standard or whatever, and AEW hopes to get there, but this is a real, like a real thing for, you know, a thousand episodes of TV. It's, it's not nothing to scoff at. Absolutely. Absolutely. So congratulations to Empire Wrestling. We will come back next week. We will discuss the next episode to round out our Impact Wrestling review. Um, so take care. Um, destruction next week for New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's coming up. So I'm going to try to find somebody to talk with that about maybe the week after. Um, and what else is coming up on the horizon? No Impact in the UK. New Japan in the UK as well. Um, yeah, everything's going on, you know. Wrestling's hot, baby. Yeah, everything's everything's going up. We will get back to Glee as 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 is always the narrative. But we, you know, we like to take breaks here and then and check in with the impact, check in with Ring of Honor. You know, we try to stay as broad as possible. Uh here at the True Penny Show. That's why you love us and, and we go continue to do that as much as we can. Indeed. Hey, we are slowly catching up with the wrestling rewinders Darrow has managed to produce all the shows and edit them properly. Um, after he had a hard drive crash. I'm releasing them one a, one a day, more or less, or one every couple of days. He's just sent me some more this morning, so uh, the Rewind will be fully up to date. We'll be bang on with you again soon. So go listen to Dara and Martin and some special guests that have been on his show recently. Uh, take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Where can we find you on the internet there, Sir Marcus? Yes, yes. Uh, speaking of dark ages... <laughs> Go back to dark ages uh, on this doggone this Musk app, uh, which still will not be called whatever the official name is. You can find me on there at Paradox Kid, P A R A D O X K I D. Yeah. Uh, I can't really say anything about this week. I'm being on it much this week. I'll be honest. Um, I'm liking Mastodon, though. It's quite nice. You can find me on Mastodon chat at Sheriff Lamestar. You can also find me on El Elon's Hellscape at, uh, at Sheriff Lamestar. You can find me on uh, Instagram at Sheriff Lamestar. And uh, you can find the Show Trippity Show on Instagram and on um, uh, X, Twitter, whatever. Well, Twitter, let's call it Twitter, not call it X. Stupid. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook and Patreon. You can show free for everyone. Please do. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to the show today. We'll be back next week. Take care. Bye.